0: Hi, this is Goxie and I just wanna say I bought a, I bought a bag of snakes alive and I opened them up and they're all dead.
1: As catastrophic bushfires continue to rage across southeastern Australia, as property continues to burn, human and animal lives continue to be lost, and the Prime Minister is under constant partisan attack for simply trying to do his job in a crisis. One of the lessons being learned in the flames is that nature doesn't give a rat's about state borders, federal-state responsibilities, and who does what at times like this it doesn't need yet another royal commission to tell even the most boneheaded green that effectively commanding future natural disasters on the scale we're now witnessing be they fire flood cyclone or any other natural cause needs a strong powerful leader in ultimate charge who can cut through the crap crush political jurisdictional and professional jealousies and have overriding control of federal state And private resources for the common good of saving lives and property. A disaster supremo, empowered by federal and state governments, and ultimately accountable to them, able to put even prime ministers and premiers in their place in times of dire emergency. Such a person would have the stature and force of personality needed to bash the most senior heads together when necessary, squash industrial strength egos, and Bend them to the common will of Team Australia. Such a person would need to understand how policy and political decisions are made at the highest level and therefore know how to cut through red tape and petty politics to maximise the efforts of frontline responders and give immediate comfort and support to those communities and families who have lost everything. And they would need a first-hand understanding of what's involved in what Scott Morrison called holding a hose and has experienced the dangers and risks facing those willing to lay down their lives to help their fellow Australians in dire peril without thought for their own safety. There is one person, just one person, who has the character, skills, and experience to fill such a role. Someone whose unique combination of frontline experience and dealing with disasters at the very highest level makes them absolutely qualified to be Australia's natural disaster Supremo. A person who ridiculed for his selfless community service by people who would never place their lives in jeopardy for others as he has, and while still in his prime has been cast aside by so-called friends as well as his opponents. An underappreciated, but perfectly qualified person who would answer the call with distinction in such a role, Tony.
2: It's Tony time, baby. It's yes. <laughs> it's Tony time. It's Tony time. Who uses the word Supremo at all? level alone a multiple psychopath. times,
1: more than once, more this than is- one instance.
2: Uh, hi, Tony. I was just wondering if you would like to be um, Supremo. Oh, yeah, like like Il Jefe Supremo, you
1: know, of disasters. <laughs>
3: We're looking oh. for
2: someone to rule us like dogs.
3: Uh Tony, could you could you rule us like dogs perhaps?
1: I'd like to order a um a family sized natural disaster <laughs> supremo. Thank you.
2: Uh that's that was courtesy of our dear friend Terry Barnes at uh Race Science Journal The Spectator. Uh Here are some of his other Just uh, tell me if you can see a theme in the names of some of these articles. Honoring Abbott. At least Mm -hmm. Abbott stands for something. Tony Abbott, with thanks to the fallen warrior. (laughs) Stuff the diversity warriors and say it loud, say it
1: proud. Merry
2: Christmas.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, my goodness. Um, I got to say, I have actually found myself saying to somebody at some point in the last couple of weeks, it was when we were watching the footage of Scott Morrison walking up to people and like, Grabbing their hand and forcing them to shake his hand and all that kind of stuff. I think some people even started to look and say, surely at least Tony Abbott would have stood there and listened to a person before immediately turning around and walking away. Mm -hmm. I very much regret saying that to anybody because you really don't have to think back very far to remember just how absolutely... Like incomprehensibly inhuman, Tony Abbott. Yeah, where someone
3: would say something to him and he would just zone out, like Start just nodding. a, a yep, yep. white noise rising in volume, kind of shepherd's tone going on in his braid, while yep. his eyes just look off into the middle distance. The person, like, Tony, Tony, Tony,
2: <laughs> asked you a well, question, Tony. Uh,
1: we all remember, uh-huh. we all remember that footage of Tony Abbott being asked about um, being over in Afghanistan. I want to say maybe Iraq. And being asked about uh, the death of a soldier and and saying, yeah, shit happens. Um, and, yeah, he got asked about that and then just stood there completely uh-huh, stationary just normal, except for his... Like
3: a normal person would do, arms completely limp at his sides.
1: Looking ready to commit murder uh-huh. uh, for like a solid 15 to 20 seconds of silence.
2: And instead of just like, he could have gone... Well, that quote's been taken out of context. I was attempting to commiserate with them. Maybe it didn't come off so well, but I was talking about how bad shit happens in life and that fucking mm-hmm. sucks. But instead, he just goes full lizard face, tongue sticking out a little bit from between his lips, eyes staring into the distance. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it is Tony time now. I think we can all, ag- Tony all
3: agree the country is falling apart around us. Uh, Scott Morrison hated by uh, just about uh, everybody, I would say. Mm-hmm. And- yeah. Really, the ground is is fertile. The pump has been primed. For a supremo. Yep. We're jacked off to the point. And now we need someone oh, to lead us over. So, just that one
1: little extra stroke. Yep. And that's what gets you to Tony time. And then it's Tony time. Then it's Tony time. Welcome to Buntavista episode 131, I want to say. I feel like we have
3: more uh, inexplicable things to explain this time than normal.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, you may have heard in the cold open there... Comedian Aaron Gox calling into the Budapest hotline to do the classic Dave Hughesy Hughes snakes alive bit, which I want to say is around 20 years old.
2: Yeah, and I am going to go further and say we may actually have the only canonical recording of the bit because it's not on the internet. We've anywhere. been trying. Lost to archives. Yep, And we've a lot we've of other people have been Search for the trying. microfiche. Yep. It's not on there. Scott Ludlum used all of his powers to try and find it. He couldn't. Couldn't happen.
1: Um, so, yeah, obviously, if you have listened to the show, or if you started listening to the show, because of last week's episode where we talked about the um, all of the bushfires all over Australia, uh, it's kind of a bad time. We decided to see what we could do just to help out. So we organized a fundraiser. We did a charity uh, live stream um, for some reason. People watch that and uh, donate lots of money to the cause that we were raising money for, which was the New South Wales Rural Fire Service, which is uh, the volunteer firefighters in New South Wales. So uh, those are all people who do that job unpaid, um, except unlike in normal fire seasons, where what used to happen was uh, there would be a fire and people would go and uh, work to help put it out for like a day or two, and then they would just go back to their job um now uh it is never ending and so people have like run out of all their leave um the fires being so much more intense and polluting than they have been in the past means that i think a lot of their gear that apparently they have to raise the money for themselves they're out there doing sausage sizzles and all kind of stuff to try and raise money for appropriate like masks and to buy their own uniforms and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, we tried to see what we could do to help just raise a bit of money for those guys to say thank you. Uh, guys and girls, obviously. Um, so, for some reason, we managed to raise $20,000. And in the course of So close this, to $21,000 as it well. Is like, close I think we're like 40 bucks off. $20,978 $20, or something mm. like that.
3: And everyone is always trying to go for that classic $21,000 level. We're trying um, to hit it um, right we, on the we button. We failed on that, but we did succeed.
1: in Yeah, it's a nice it's round $21,000. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, it's thank you so number, much. I, believe. Yep. Mm.
3: Yeah, I I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, a massive thank you to um, everybody who watched the live stream, um, donated to the GoFundMe, all that kind of stuff. Um, we are very, very grateful for your help with a good cause. But something happened during the course of the fundraiser, which was um, someone that we've spoken about on the show before, Australian comedian Dave Hughes-y hughes Hughes, um, who has the classic Snakes Alive bit of comedy uh, that we have talked about before. And we started, I don't want to use the word harassing, but it's, it's probably yeah. the most But yeah, there was a
3: coordinated work. campaign of harassment that was started by us in
2: the stream that we were doing. <laughs> yeah, I think fit. it's sort of an inverse campaign of coordinated harassment because it's not multiple people harassing one person. It was me harassing multiple people.
1: Right. <laughs> so, we, we were trying to get um, Dave Husey Hughes to call into the Vista hotline and do his classic Snakes Alive bit to help raise money for charity. Now, we found it quite difficult to get hold of Hughesy. In the early going.
2: Mm. And it could uh, have been very easy if we'd. Exercised some options that were available to us. But we, but we declined didn't, to. We yeah. respected
1: the man's privacy. So we did was. not do that. Um, but instead Ben harassed a whole bunch of other people as well. To see if they wanted to call in. And do the snakes alive bit. And we will be playing. Um, a whole bunch of those calls periodically. Throughout the show. Both to share them with you. And as our way of saying thank you. To all of those people who helped us out. Hey uh, here's one right now.
0: Oh hi there. Um, it's Jen Fricker here. Um, I just uh, I just something, something funny happened. Um, you Snake know snakes alive like the 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 jelly lollies. Um, I bought like a whole bag of snakes alive. But the weirdest thing is like I opened them up, the bag of snakes alive, the the jelly lollies. I opened all of them up, and they were all dead. All of the snakes alive, the jelly lollies in the bag I opened, We're all dead. All of them. <laughs> all of them.
1: <laughs> that was uh, former Triple J host and stand-up comedian Jen Fricker calling into the show
3: thank you i think one so of the things
1: Jeff. i enjoyed the most about
3: this was uh people's varying familiarity with the bit uh their mm-hmm. their varying uh wishes to actually stick with the bit versus
2: uh,
1: putting their not. own little spin on it putting their own little spin on it wonderful yeah. beautiful a lot of different interpretations
3: just but- goes to show how much you can pull from a dip a bit that
2: has so much depth mm. to-
1: <laughs> it's true
2: you can it's pick funny cause which part of the joke you like the best Which of the many Twists and turns yeah. that excites mm-hmm. you the most Yeah,
3: Just really get stuck into it
1: Well it was also interesting to see Because it's my understanding that Ben sent um, Ben sent Like just the sort of outline of the joke to people and mm. asked if they would call in and, and do the bit, if they weren't familiar with it. Well,
2: some people certainly were familiar.
1: Well, um, and you could tell by which people did the full expanded version of the bit. And we will be pointing that out. Of it. Yes. We'll yeah, be pointing that out as we go.
2: In saying that, I think maybe uh, I might have to issue an official apology of the show, because when we first spoke about the Snakes Live bit, I didn't include the second half. And I said, that's the entire bit. Ooh. And maybe it is the second half. That really makes the... Gel- that makes it shine. Because you're making two puns on two different jellied snake confectionaries. Maybe I was a little harsh. Yeah. Okay. Is
3: that curry not agreeing with you? What are you gonna no, love? that was a beer a little little There was no curry in that. Okay.
2: Well, cool. um, oh, I'm struggling. I can <laughs> see that. Okay. You've also been struggling every waking minute of every day of your life. So, you can probably just tell me when you're not struggling. <laughs> I'll let you know when that happens. Oh, please do.
1: <laughs> now. While we're speaking about uh, volunteer firefighters, the very people that we uh, tried to raise that money for, um, Ben, would you like to take us through a bit of a timeline of the 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 scheme that was announced for like a compensation scheme for volunteer firefighters? Because there was you know a bit of a bit of um a to do about how much more unexpected work people had been doing, and there were suddenly a lot of calls to say, "Hey." I kind of feel like all these people are using up uh, all of their unpaid leave or using up all of their paid leave and then not being able to go to work because they're doing this and all that sort of thing. And what the government's response was to that.
2: Right. Well, the initial response, and this is already after the fires had been going for substantially longer than they should have been, like longer than a normal fire season. So, they started uh, around September in Queensland and then uh, a few months later in uh, New South Wales and Victoria. But that these fires that people have been fighting had already been running for way longer than they normally do. We were getting to kind of a point where we were like, this is an exceptional circumstance, having a purely volunteer, or not purely, but a largely volunteer firefighting service is maybe not going to be able to deal with this. Uh, so people started putting pressure on the government to maybe look at paying volunteers. Uh, and at the start of December, been going for a while, Prime Minister just comes out and flat out says, no. So uh, this is from The Guardian, December 10th. Uh, the Prime Minister has rejected calls for more help for firefighters as New South Wales bushfire crisis is expected to worsen. Asked about concerns over how long the tens of thousands of volunteer firefighters, many who have been away from work for weeks now, were expected to continue without pay. Morrison said they want to be there. They love it. They love being there. They love it. It's their hobby. I mean, you get what he's trying to say there, which is essentially these people are volunteering because they want to be part of their community and they want to help, which is a great... Thing about people that do this sort of thing. Well, but-
1: I'll I will dispute that in the sense that that's what he's trying to say, so much as that's what he's trying to exploit. Because I sure. think that there has yeah. been a very specific. There's been a very specific narrative coming out of some conservative politicians, which is like, um, oh, it'd be an insult to try and pay <laughs> these people because that, like, they, like, it. It makes me think of the Sydney Olympics thing. How tons of uh the sydney olympics was was put like helped to be put together by volunteers and it was like year of the volunteer and stuff and it was this it was this big expression of like how how giving and communal the australian spirit is and all this sort of stuff and i feel like this from some conservative politicians has been an attempt to say oh well if hey you're like by trying to pay people, you're taking away their right to be a volunteer <laughs> and give to their communities.
2: I hate when people give me money and that's I a right know. of mine that I've lost when the money when goes to my compensate me yeah. for
1: being away from my work for weeks to save people's lives, you know.
2: And
3: also, as we kind of talked about on the last bonus... Um- if you pay volunteer firefighters, what's next? Paying everybody for their labor? Mm-hmm. Surely that cannot stand. No, thank you. So that would involve us actually having a...
1: Yeah, so I, I, would, I would just say that uh, the people that I've seen saying things about, like, the volunteer spirit and that sort of stuff, it's generally been coming from the most cynical corners of conservative politics, and I put Scott Morrison right up there on that front. Sure. Anyway.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh- uh, the rest of that quote was, uh, these fires have been going on for some months now. When I was speaking with the fire commissioner on the weekend out there, we have the mega fire at the moment. We were talking through the crew rotations. And the fact is, these crews, yes, they're tired, but they also want to be out there defending their communities. And so we do all we can to rotate the shift to give them those breaks. But in many cases, you've got to hold them back to make sure they get that rest. And I thank them all for what they're doing, particularly all those who support them. So that doesn't really say anything about anything other than we're taking them off the fire because they're working too much. And that's that problem solved forever. Yeah, done and dusted. Uh, but of course, this was not uh, going to last for particularly long by the end of December as the fires were still raging two and a half weeks later. Uh, the government did not about face on this. Uh, the government came out and said that they would be giving volunteer firefighters in New South Wales who work for private businesses uh will be eligible for up to $6,000 in compensation under a new commonwealth funded scheme.
1: Uh they've uh, smells like somebody's means are going to get tested.
2: Uh, and you bet your ass they <laughs> certainly will be. Uh the the rough overview that was put out when this was first released on the 29th was uh volunteers who work for small and medium-sized businesses or are self-employed will be able to access payments worth up to $300 a day. Capped at a maximum of $6,000 if they have served for more than 10 days fighting the current fires. Morrison said financial support was needed to sustain volunteers through extended periods of leave, which is exactly what people were fucking saying before, but that's fine. Uh, The early and prolonged nature of this fire scene has made a call. The fire season has made a call beyond what is typically made on our volunteer firefighters. No shit. While I know RFS volunteers don't seek payment for their service, I don't want to see volunteers or families unable to pay bills or struggle financially as a result of the selfless contribution they're making. This is not about paying volunteers. It is about sustaining our volunteer efforts by protecting them from financial loss. Which are completely different things, apparently. Yeah. This is not about giving money to volunteers. It's about giving our volunteers money.
1: Now, I would just note outside of this that, um, that this is like a great sort of capsule of, like, capsule overview of what this government's response has been to pretty much everything which is to say no to requests for funding of different kinds, for more resources to help like deal with and prepare for and fight these fires um, to deny that climate change is a thing to act like we've been, you know, doing really significant emission reductions when we haven't all that sort of stuff. And then once it's finally passed the point where the public at large is like, what the fuck are you doing? The tune immediately changes to, um, not only are we doing that, but we've been doing it the whole time, uh, and we love doing it. And we were doing it before anybody asked about it, which is great. I'm going to turn into one of those people on Twitter who's like, "The government is gaslighting me," <laughs> you know. Yep. Uh huh. Teardrop Andrew. So, where this went from here was um, they then released those actual guidelines. They then released the like the details of the scheme. And I saw this piece in the Fasifern Guardian, and I don't know if we've been able to sort of rustle up any, any like, uh, additional...
2: Oh, well, if you scroll slightly further down oh, the Oh, no,
1: no. Scroll you... further. Jeez, okay, good. Although, good. It did, it, it uh, did get confirmed. I don't
2: like the implication that the Guardian is more reputable than the Fasifern Guardian.
1: Well, they're all types of Guardians. That's certainly true. So, uh, yes, as Ben has here, the story was broken by the Fasophone Guardian on January 8th, um, saying that the details of the compensation package were revealed yesterday, and on investigation, the FASA Guardian has found that the reality falls far short of the expectations raised by the promises. The expectation was that the volunteer could claim for the first 10 days on the fire line and any days thereafter. Wrong. The first 10 days makes the volunteer eligible. But those first 10 days cannot be claimed. Only day 11 onwards can be claimed. The expectation was that the volunteer could claim $300 per day. Wrong. The volunteer can only claim their normal working day wage after tax. The expectation was that the volunteer could claim for the day they spent on the fire line. Wrong. If the volunteer's normal working day was 8am to 5pm, and they spent from 6 p.m. to 10 a.m. fighting fires or directly supporting those fighting fires and then turn up for work, they can only claim the two hours out of their normal working day, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m.
2: And that's how the human body works. So, that's fine because yeah. work and uh, going to work, putting out a fire, they don't count towards the same uh, meter in your body. No, so- no.
3: And famously, when you work and then you do time that's over your normal time, mm. that goes free. That's that doesn't get actually compensated more because yeah, it's over because yeah, it's over the time you've f- yeah. you finished you finished beginning paid and time now it's time over. for now it's now it's fire time baby yeah. it's time for Ooh. time to fight fires, and yeah, what you really we, want to do like standing side I by side a with word other people for that actually is it yeah. Uber time Uber time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's Uber time um, and what you want to do is like standing side by side with your other people that are in this you know um life-threatening uh, extremely important job is to be able to look side by side and work out whether you're getting paid the same amount as everybody else Ooh. um for the doing the same job mm-hmm. uh, instead of just getting paid for what they're doing which yep. would be to me that would be a, a very simple kind of you work out how many hours you're getting paid for this extremely important and dangerous job and then they just give you some money based on how many of those you've done Mm -hmm. To me, and look, I'm just a dumbass. I don't have a business degree or anything like that. Just, so I'm probably, there's probably someone out there that can tell me why I'm extremely, extremely, extremely wrong. Uh, I'm sure it would probably cost somewhere in the region comparable with, you know, the tax cuts that we passed Mm -hmm. uh, two years ago to the tune of over $100 billion, which all went to uh, higher income tax brackets. Mm
1: -hmm. I think... Those, all those costs are prob- we bought uh, yeah i think the costs work. are probably
3: comparable you know whatever war we may or may not be about to sign ourselves up to that's all fine We're, we'll we'll work that out we'll make the the two lines on the graph meet in the middle somewhere
2: i hate to hear you talk disparagingly about uh, tax bill 2019 brackets providing tax relief to working australians close bracket but no, oh, it was worse they, than that, wasn't it? It was so working Australians can keep more of their money was the name of the Yeah, bit. absolutely. And they do that by you, when I'll the, when the wealth bravery. trickles down. It'll just
3: trickle but, all the way all the way down to the firefighters, I think, who are who are probably last, but that's because they're on the front
2: lines. They love what they're doing. Uh, we don't want to trickle down too uh, yeah, quickly I think to them. What happens is um Someone gets paid $3.5 million a year. They keep more because of that bill. Uh, They they put that money into an illegal pedophile island in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, they accidentally, when they're throwing a bunch of their money up in the air, it gets caught in the Gulf Stream. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't know if the Gulf Stream goes over Australia. I don't really understand what the Gulf Stream is. We've got several gulfs, so... Okay, that makes sense. Uh, And then it, it rains down in rural New South Wales to someone who missed out on six weeks of work. Uh, yeah. that were already on the poverty line but because they were trying to save the lives of the people around them. But then they get
1: to keep those bills that were flying over. Yeah. yeah. So I'm continuing on here. If the volunteer did a deal with their boss uh, to work out of hours in order to make up for the time they were away from work, they also cannot claim compensation.
3: Oh, cool. Yep.
1: So... There's, there's, so, many, there's so many types of... Well, there's like- so many types of work here where I'm just like, if you work in retail... Uh, or if you are like a casual employee, yeah, or you're any, any of these things. You are just fuck.
3: Yeah, and it's like so many things that we've kind of been. This this I think is each each time takes us by surprise, and we shouldn't be surprised by this, right? We should have been well and truly ready for it and used to it by by this point. But like every like the Religious Discrimination Act, every new thing kind of makes you take pause and go, oh. That sucks way more than I was expecting. Mm. That is way worse and way meaner and mean for reasons that it doesn't have to be mean for, right Like like just just mean almost for the point of being mean, but I don't, I don't believe that that's their, that that's their goal. Like other things, yes, refugees, absolutely the cruelty is the point. I don't believe the cruelty is the point here. I just don't think they can help themselves.
1: Well, um let me just hit you with one or two more examples here. Uh, if the volunteer was retired and does not have a working day no 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 eligibility for compensation there but i know what you're thinking the liberal national party they might be you know they might be not about helping these um elite inner city uh like bourgeois people who work at the kmart um in bateman's bay but surely they're going to look after the farmers The farmers, you know, the farmer is the man who feeds us all. Great song. But I'm reading here, if the volunteer is a primary producer and cannot prove that they lost income by being away from their property to fight the fires, they too are not eligible to claim compensation. The facifer is experiencing the worst drought on record. Many are not planting crops due to lack of water. Many have had to sell the majority or all of their herd due to lack of feed and water. And many simply do not have an income. And so they too will not be eligible to claim compensation.
3: Right, So worse for the people that are already doing it worse.
1: Yeah, and as um, as wife of the show, my wife Eleanor said, when we were talking about this um, because she grew up on a dairy farm, as soon as we were talking about this, she was like, "Well, farmers don't have a wage." No. A farmer can't say, "Oh, this is what no, they I get make paid per at the hour end. during this period. So what the fuck? Uh, well, here's, here's what happens. Uh, you get nothing. Yeah, you get zero. How about you get no money at all? How about you get fucked? Yeah. Um, And, of course, at the end here, the expectation was that the compensation would be a fair and equitable process and that all volunteers could claim for the 10 days on what they spent on the fire line. Uh, Wrong. If the volunteer was a part-time or casual worker and fought the fires on days they would not normally be working, they cannot claim for the days. Uh, Absolute hell stuff here. And, like you're saying, Theo, like... I, I, I'm staying with some family at the moment um, because we desperately needed to get out of Canberra away from the poisonous bushfire smoke. And everybody that I showed this to said the same thing, which is, imagine being the person who sat down and wrote this. Imagine being the person who got tasked by the Prime Minister's office to say, oh no, we're getting absolutely rinsed on our refusal to pay any form of compensation here. Yeah. Um, so, do a thing that says that we are going to compensate people, but dear God, make sure that like as few people as possible.
3: Yeah, we talked about this way before we were even talking about the, the compensation stuff, right, where um, they, they just announced a surplus for the first time in, in you know, many years. And um, I, I, I was saying, like, like so many other people, just, just throw money at the problem. It's the the amounts of money that we're talking about to pay people uh, who are widely and almost universally regarded as heroes is is minuscule when you compare it against you know the various other things that we're doing. Just just throw money at the problem and you will have a, a PR um, you know heaven that just continues for for years. And like you said, Andrew. Instead, there's some sort of uh, horrible weasel with half of their skin falling off, sitting in some office somewhere working out how to means test
1: being got, got paid to make for sure, firefighters. Got to make sure people aren't taking advantage of it. But, hey, before we continue on.
0: Hi, guys. This is Demi Ladner, and I just I just wanted to call to say um, I brought a packet of snakes alive the other day, and... Um up, and they're
1: all dead. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Friend of the show and snow comedian uh, Demi Lardner. I am calling in there.
2: Maybe to complete the that voicemail cinematic universe we should maybe play the Tom Walker one strike oh, okay. afterwards. Here we go.
0: Hi, guys, this is Tom Walker. Uh, I am calling up with an issue that I've had, uh, which is that I recently, and you're not going to believe this, I recently uh, bought myself a packet of Snakes Alive, the confectionery. But when I opened it up, they were all dead. (laughs) I mean, every one of these darn things is dead. I mean, if we'd had air holes in there, maybe they'd become killer pythons eventually, but who's to say now? All that lost potential, ugh, oh, it really makes you think. Anyway, if you guys have any tips, I uh, would love to hear back. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, the packet of snakes alive was all dead.
3: Wonderful rendition, but I think for me, the my favorite detail is absolutely Demi
2: cackling like a goblin in the background. Completely from one room over. Beautiful stuff. You know how we spent $50 billion um, to make 12 submarines? Oh, boy, do I. Yeah. What if we got one less submarine? Oh, I think you mean one fewer submarine. Um, Checkmate. No. I meant what ben. I fucking said. I'm going <laughs> to kill you.
1: <clears throat> ben, I put it to you that we simply cannot do with- um, that number of submarines. I don't know what the number of submarines that we have is. One less than that would kill us all.
2: Godzilla is going to be swimming towards Australia, and they'll
1: be like, "Perfect. All it will take is twelve attack submarines." As soon as, as soon as, like Godzilla's reading the paper, right? <laughs> Australia announces one fewer submarine. Uh, and he immediately he just folds up the paper, slaps it down on the kitchen table. Takes his stands, reading glasses off. Stands right up, pushes his chair back. Mrs. Godzilla is like, where are you going, honey? And he's like, don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time to talk about this. He hops the Monster Island perimeter to fence. He heads right. straight for Darwin. Straight for Darwin. Uh, and they'll deserve it. Let's be frank. Yeah. You want to pay these uh, vol- volunteer. Let me remind you with that word. You want to pay these volunteer firefighters and leave us pretty much defenseless, you know? Uh, So this story from the Fast Guardian was confirmed by the other smaller Guardian. The regular Guardian. Vanilla Guardian. (laughs) Default Guardian. Guardian Classic. Yeah. (laughs) It was confirmed by Guardian Classic on January the 10th. Uh, They did say that the payments only kick in after a volunteer has spent 10 days in total on the fire ground and only pays for the loss of income in the days which follow. A spokesman for Natural Disaster Response Minister David Littleproud, um, a man with just a silly name and one that's begging for everybody to make extremely, like... Just generic jokes.
2: It's him and uh, Ian Goodenough.
1: Yeah. Uh, they're little, both fucked. Little Proud and good enough. My goodness. Uh, they defended the threshold saying, quote, the 10 days volunteering is a qualifying period. Love to qualify for things. For the government's reimbursement for volunteer firefighters. This is a sensible period of volunteering before being eligible for the reimbursement.
3: You wouldn't want to be insensible. 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 Hmm.
1: Uh, The RFSA also defended it Saying the majority of volunteers are happy putting their time in And they haven't heard many complaints about people Really suffering Although a few people have said they'll be applying for the scheme Um, So yeah they did Confirm that the compensation payments Cover only the hours of work lost For instance someone who misses a a 9am To 5pm work day to fight a fire Until 11pm will only be paid For 8 hours work So that person can just go and eat shit You know And that's cool That's very cool. That's what's cool. Um, Self-employed farmers have also balked at the scheme, querying how they can prove lost income. Uh, Quote, The real problem is that even in a good season, and we're in the worst season this area has ever experienced, we don't have a regular workday income, Burnett Creek grazier Glenn Thierby told the Fast Phone Guardian, which first reported the restrictions. Guardian Australia understands this part of the scheme is still being worked on, but that it is expected to use current provisions for quantifying the value of a particular farmer's income value in a day, and it would take into account the season, but not the drought. Which is good, because
2: it's not like there's a, a connection between our fire seasons and drought periods. Well,
1: we don't want to get into all of that, do we? That not seems again. like a whole thing. Uh, hey, we might uh, drop another voicemail on you. Here. How about that? How does everybody feel about that? We're just going to keep them coming.
0: Yeah, bloody hell, went it's 7-Eleven, the so guy was like, hey, do you want these chips? I said, no, thank you. Bloody got some snacks alive. It yeah, bloody opened it up. We're all dead. Yeah, good on you. Good on everyone. Yeah, happy happy birthday. What a, what a good time. I'm easy. yeah. Bloody hell. No, thank you. <laughs>
1: No, we, we were actually quite excited when we got that one because we spent a, a while just turning to each other and going, was that really Husey? Uh, if it's not, it's a spectacular impression, which it is. Mm. But we w- we all said, I'm pretty sure that Dave Hughes wouldn't say, i Say his own name
3: like a Pokemon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm Hughesy. Dave um,
1: Hughes. Husey? That was, in fact, Hughes-y. <laughs> a wonderfully spot on impression. By comedian Ben Russell, uh, who you may know from things like Auntie Donna, the Grub, not Auntie Donna. No, he's he's on Auntie. Auntie He's on
3: Auntie Donna. He's the um, the kind of um, British uppity guy that goes to buy a paper off of the kid at the end of the sketch. Same time. Oh,
2: you're absolutely right.
3: Ah, I know I'm right. Same time. I I should clarify. Same time. That Auntie Donna sketch, same
1: time. I should clarify: I don't think he a core cast member of Auntie Donna, right? Okay, but has appeared on the show multiple times. I'll allow it, uh, but but that voicemail is an absolute treat. To I, the I
3: there are so many things in that twenty-three seconds that <laughs> just really get me. So many wonderful details that I want to ruminate on.
1: Seven <sighs> Eleven chips, no, thank, no you. thank you. No thank
2: you. No thank you. You're all uh, it's please su- it's listen such to the depression. grub uh, also watch the hot dad production video Aussie Trash and Treasure oh it's so good it's such a good skit and just Ben Russell's character just that like real oh I'm an Australian dad I'm I'm, I'm giving it a go energy is uh,
1: phenomenal wonderful not wonderful to be stuff. missed and now so, back
2: to the depressing stuff
1: Continuing on. Back to the depressing stuff. This is the thing. We've got to break it up for you, you know. We've got to break it up a little. Um, so, there was another piece in the Fast food Guardian where they spoke to farmers about He's how the compensation scheme. I know. Yeah. This is a busy Guardian. They've been all over it. Um, I'm wondering if they'll, they'll get official, like, Guardian affiliation after this or.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, you start off, I think, as a franchise of the Guardian. Yeah, and fast work Guardian up, UK. Work your
2: way up. Fast food Guardian Australia. Yes. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. Um. You are an apprentice guardian up to some point. You get your full qualification. They give you your badge and your gun. uh, And then you're good to go, really, guarding stuff. So here's a a little quote from this piece about them speaking to farmers, about how the compensation scheme will not work for them. Uh, When Glenn first heard that volunteer rural firefighters might get some compensation for fighting fires, he remembers thinking it was a bit silly. Uh, He says, my family has always fought fires here. My dad, my granddad, we did it because it threatened our property or threatened other properties in the district. We helped others when they needed it and they helped us when we needed it. It's the nature of volunteer rural firefighters, he says. If we don't stop it in this area, it would just keep burning through neighboring districts. But this fire season, it was different. In the end, the fire that started above Burnett's Creek on October 17 took a long time to stop. In some places, we were able to redirect it away from private property where it would have burnt out the last of the little feed there was left for cattle we'd hold it on for a fire break. Uh, We'd hold it on a fire break for a while, but then it wouldn't break out again. That fire eventually became known as the Mount Barney National Park bushfire and burned through the more than 25,000 hectares of public and private land in Queensland and New South Wales before it was considered no longer of concern in late January. It sounds pretty concerning. Late December, I'd say, probably. Hmm. Late January hasn't happened yet. Well, you know... Pobody's (laughs) nerfing. You don't have to be crazy to work here. It absolutely helps. But we won't support. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) And you can't be. Get out of here. Uh, You don't have to be crazy to work here, but uh, if you do, we will offer mental health support. Mm -hmm. We will um, try to steal some of your medication, maybe. We'll take it. What do you got? (laughs) We'll take it. Hey, uh, check this out.
0: Hi, it's Will Anderson, and when I was working with Dave Hughes on The Glass house, I distinctly remember one day I bought a packet of snakes alive, but I opened them up and they were all dead. Anyway, in retrospect, I think I should have put air holes in the bag so they could have grown up to be killer pythons. The end.
2: Beautiful. I would say that one is particularly special, because I think he might be one of the few people who would have maybe actually heard that bit in person. seeing the bit in yeah. real life. Yeah.
1: That is true. That is very true.
2: And he was on the TV.
1: He's still on the TV. He's very much still on the TV. Uh, That was, of course, stand-up comedian uh, Will Anderson. You may recognize him from The Gruen Transfer, a show that is on TV. Hmm. Haven't seen it. Uh, And podcast TOEFOP. What's that that acronym for, Ben? 30-odd foot of podcast. 30-odd foot of podcasts. That's true. He's also Um, got
2: another one called Two Guys, One Cup. Mm-hmm. And I think he has another one called Willosophy. Okay. I thought that hey, was one save of the some podcasts, podcasts for sure the it.
3: rest of us.
2: No, I And mean, we've got one. We've got one. We're fine. We're good. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I don't if want you need one. a podcast, contact Will Anderson. He'll give you one <laughs> of I his help? that he's not using anymore. I want one Still podcast, good.
1: Please. Give you one of one of his many podcasts. Well, you lose one podcasts. third
3: of the value of a podcast as soon as it. You take it off the <laughs> so show.
1: You know how you go to. good sense. You know, you go to Jay Leno's house and he's like, here's my. Here's my 600 uh, vintage cars yeah. or whatever. That's, yeah. that's Will Anderson's house. <laughs> yeah, pod, he takes you through his yeah, big I barely have time to yes. take these guys for a run like yeah, ever. You wouldn't believe how much it costs just to get someone to come through and keep all the dust off these podcasts, you know? <laughs> so, um, depressing stuff. And something that I have been finding interesting about all of this bushfire type business. And the government's response to it, uh, particularly the government's, like, lack of response to requests for funding for various things, is that it's produced all of these, like, perfect little encapsulations of people being able to put two news stories side by side. Um, So, one of them, you know, in this case, you could say one of them, uh, one would be the quote from Scott Morrison saying... Oh no, we don't need to pay firefighters and nobody wants it and nobody's asking. Uh, followed almost immediately by him saying, oh, yes, we're we're giving money to people and we've been working on it for ages in the three days since I said we're definitely not doing
3: it. Yeah, and every single time there's like some journalist on Twitter that was like, I asked him three hours ago about this and they said the government wasn't getting involved. Like yeah. every case.
1: Um, another example I saw this week was uh, somebody It might have been friend of the show, Benjamin Law, maybe, Um had put two things side by side, one of which was, um, one of which was uh, a, a government minister or somebody saying, "Oh, food bank is doing a great job, and they're donating all of this food to people."
3: Oh, um, they absolutely dire- cut food bank, directed donations was, to food yeah.
1: bank, and then the next one was a story from like six months ago of the government cutting three hundred thousand dollars from the yearly uh, yearly budget that they give to food bank. Um, along with a quote from somebody saying, we don't even know why they're doing this. Like it's going to make more people homeless and all this kind of stuff. And they also had the pivot on that one, which was after getting dragged on that, they like Scott Morrison did a press conference where he said, we are increasing funding to food bank and some of these other groups so that they can help in this time of need. And what they meant by increasing funding was uh, just putting back the money that they had slashed out of the budget the mm-hmm. previous year. They said, oh, we've, you know, increased increased their budget by $75,000 each year over the next four years or whatever. And that equals out to exactly the amount of money that they cut from them six months ago. So, they didn't give them more money. All they did was give back what they took away. Um, well, you
3: know, when you take 20 bucks from your mate's wallet to go and buy KFC at like 2 a.m.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And then uh, one week later, you give them... Fifteen dollars back. And say, thanks so much, mate. Uh, no need to thank me. All... <laughs> you're very <laughs> you're welcome.
1: very welcome. Uh, you're so welcome. So, um, you know, to to take a little turn away from that, should we maybe have something slightly more fun? You know, is it another voicemail? Uh, it could be, but maybe instead, are we going to? Pivot to an edition of Nature Corner. Country roads take me home to the place I
2: belong into the so beautiful it's so good every time
1: every time that is of course uh the theme developed in secret in a secret laboratory by dear sweet listeners and uh patrons of the show um, if you become a patron of the show you too will be able to frequent the discord server where they cook up this type of scheme yeah, yeah they're you always can give doing us... gang vocals for stuff yep. that you'll yes. get right into <laughs> so would
3: true. you like to pay money to us and then give us free content that we use <laughs> on our show that we uh was supposed to produce ourselves but then didn't because um uh, they're volunteers so they want to be doing they want to be well, doing be it that's fine. Right. Cool. it's also not uh, a secret lab if it Includes everybody in the world except Theo. <laughs> That's just putting Theo in his own little crate and <laughs> uh, only allowing him to emerge once the surprise is ready.
1: It's a big lab. It's a big lab. So, what do you got for Nature Corner this week, Ben?
2: Well, you know how we're on the precipice of um, a war with Iran. Uh, know it? I love it.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't really. You just got to try and sound positive about something.
2: Uh, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and This a- is the thing that you should try. And-
3: <sighs> and just a peek behind the curtain here. We are all sitting for the first time, <laughs> uh, three of us in one room, and mm-hmm. it is so much more fun to, to actually see Andrew with his shit-eating grin as he says <laughs> <laughs> these things.
1: A constant joy. <sighs> Surprising you can talk with all that shit in your mouth. Oh. My big happy face and all my brown
2: teeth. <laughs> Disgusting. Anyway, we're going to <laughs> war with a Uh and reputable news site, which I mean, you guys probably all have this like as your default homepage for your uh-huh. Chromes or your Firefoxes or whatever. Because I know that every day that I wake up, first, I got to have my cup of coffee. Uh-huh. So you know that about me. And then I got to read my military.com. Uh If you're not familiar with military.com, I'll read their little blurb about themselves uh, for you. Mm-hmm. Whether you're thinking of joining the military, looking for fitness and basic training tips, or keeping up with military life and benefits, military.com has you covered. <laughs>
1: hold on. hold on. I can't, even, I can't even let you go any further than that. Keeping up with military life like, and, and benefits. benefits. So that's not just being in the military, having a military life, getting all of the, the benefits of the military bestowed upon you, um, health, fitness, PTSD. Etc. Mm-hmm. It's just keeping up with military other people's military life and benefits.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean it could be my military life and benefits. I need to know if I should buy the F thirty five now or wait for the block four B with yeah, all well, the improvements. And no wait, one's gonna tell me they, except
1: military.com. Wait till they take the decapitator out of the F thirty five. Yeah, world. look, that is a <laughs>
3: <sighs> don't want to buy just yet until they get all the issues out. It's like VR. VR could uh,
2: punt you through. You want to
3: get an Oculus Twelve? Yeah, the one that doesn't suffocate you.
2: Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So they published an article with a headline along lines of "Russia, no, sorry, Iran may have communist killer dolphins," uh, which was not some original reporting on their behalf. This is them rehashing an article from the year two thousand. Don't know if you can. Twenty years ago, cast Hmm. my mind back. No, is there any songs that might? Help us lead into the year 2000. Would you like them to be
3: anthemic? Oh, that's good as well. I was thinking the Conan bit in the year 2000. But I'm also open to some Silver
2: Chair. You, you would be, wouldn't you? Look Fuck at you. you go- no, I like Silver I'm Chair. I not- What a great I- album. I mean, we're not here to discuss mm. the merits of okay. Silver Chair. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll, look. We'll, we'll work this out. All right. This is an article for the BBC for the year 2000. You mm. can use whatever song about either 1999 or 2000 that you want to uses a touch point for this but iran buys kamikaze dolphins that's <laughs> Le- the- sorry just just hit me
1: with that one more time
2: iran or depending on if you're uh, american
1: iran iran yep so far away well it's that's <laughs> the only thing that makes that joke make sense for them isn't it their, hmm. their willful butchering of all names
2: iraq uh Iran buys kamikaze dolphins and I was looking at this article. I'm like, oh, I'll snip out all the funny bits. <laughs> oh, it's all of it, baby.
1: Uh, strap yourself in for this. <laughs> uh-huh. Close your eyes. Though. Oh, God. Close just, your eyes unless you're driving the car. And then get someone about else to, to step the off steering the wheel and close your eyes. Yes. Fold your arms across your chest. Yep. Into your if it's palace. just you
2: in the car, just steer with your knees. <laughs> Ideally, if you could lean uh, lie down in a sensory deprivation tank, you want only the sound of this article to be going into your brain. Yep. I love this opening sentence so much. Mm-hmm. Dolphins trained to kill for the Soviet Navy have been sold to Iran. But what will that but what they will do in the Persian Gulf is a mystery. Well probably oh, kill, what right? What a beautiful mystery. <laughs> Life is a beautiful mystery. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Dolphins and other aquatic mammals were trained by Russian experts to attack warships and enemy frogmen, which is cooler than it sounds. Uh, But when funding for the project ceased, many were moved to a private Dolphinarium (laughs) to perform for tourists. Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) My private Dolphinarium. (laughs) Oh, boy. I have my
2: public Dolphinarium and my (sighs) private Dolphinarium.
1: (laughs) Not just any schmuck can come into my private Dolphinarium. (sighs) That is a wonderful turn of phrase.
2: Their chief trainer, both in military and civilian life, was Boris Zurid, who began his career as a submariner before graduating from a medical academy. So, he's done a lot. What a life.
1: Would love to share some drinks with former uh, submariner and trainer of killer dolphins, Boris. Uh,
2: Earlier this month, he sold the entire collection to Iran because he could no longer afford to feed it. If I were a sadist, then I could have remained in Sevastopol, Mr. Zirud told the Russian newspaper. Oh, God. Oh, God. Give it a go. Come, Pravda. Yeah,
1: that sounds good to me. Sure. Uh,
2: But I cannot bear to see my animals starve. We're out of medicine, which costs thousands of dollars and have no more fish or food supplements. Uh, Sevastopol-based journalist Arkady Volondin told the BBC that the biggest problem came during the winter period when there were no tourists. In total, 27 animals, including walruses, sea lions, seals, and a white beluga whale were loaded with the dolphins into a Russian transport aircraft
1: for the journey from... Sinister oh, my forward. God. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that, Disney movie. <laughs> uh, I, I believe Nicolas Cage did just make a movie like that, uh, where he was some sorry? sort of... Real? Um. Oh, that can Oh, I can't remember what the name of the movie is now. Um... Oh, the the name of the movie is Primal, um, where Nicolas Cage stars as a big game hunter who has caught like um, some type of uh, oh, a big wild jaguar and then they get loaded onto like a ship with lots of other kinds of deadly animals and then they all get out. Sounds so pretty it's good. Sort of like that sounds pretty amazing. Hmm. Uh, I love I love like career Nicolas Cage. Everything is everything is great. I watched a movie last night called um The Trust that was about Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood as two Las Vegas cops who decide to try and uh like rob a rob a safe from a, a bunch of big criminals and Nicolas Cage is just doing like full ape shit. Mm-hmm. And it's very good. I see. That stones, was... uh Elijah Wood's stoned all the time. Stone and Wood. You know? I assume that was uh, a
2: Spectivision movie because Elijah Wood's production company, Spectivision, just keeps making awesome Nicolas Cage movies. They there did uh, Bloody Mandy was Spectavision, Color Out of Space was Spectivision. Very uh, good. Uh, there was Continue. A, just a one sentence after that last one, uh, which is delightful to me. Three cormorants were also among the cargo. <laughs> Three cormorants? Three cormorants. Huh. Okay. Do you think they were part of the delivery or they've just, just gone like along it. in some sort of
3: parasitic uh, animal relationship? Just hopped yeah, on. on,
2: yeah. You can't get rid of the things around here, you know? Terrible. Uh, four of the dolphins and the white whale underwent training with Mr. Zerod at a Pacific naval base before being transferred to Crimea in 1991. The animals were trained to attack enemy frogmen with harpoons attached to their backs or to drag them to the surface to be taken into captivity huh can you fucking imagine you're like some (laughs) super well-trained fucking navy seal you're in your scuba gear you've got your cool ass harpoon gun and you're just like silently swimming along the bottom to some enemy warship or whatever and then all of a sudden a dolphin with a harpoon strapped to its back
1: just fucking runs you through in the guts um, or you're swimming through the through the black ocean in the dead of the night towards a, a ship that you're going to infiltrate, and then something in the dark grabs you by the ankle mm-hmm. and starts forcefully dragging you back to shore to be taken into captivity. Terrifying. Have, have I, you guys ever seen the documentary Blackfish? No. I knew it would bum me out too much, so I didn't watch it. Oh, man. Like, it is a bummer, but it's also uh, terrifying because... One of the things that's a running theme, like, uh, for, so for anybody who hasn't seen this, it's a documentary that I think was one of those rare documentaries that seemed to almost overnight change public opinion on a subject, like, entirely. Yeah. And for this one in particular, it was um, SeaWorld. And SeaWorld keeping, like, dolphins and, you know, killer whales and orca and stuff there. And so they had all of this, like, archival footage Of people who had been trainers at SeaWorld and then people who had gone on to leave SeaWorld. And people who were like, yeah, so I was like a a killer whale trainer. And when they were like looking for people to work there, I fronted up and said, oh, yeah, I was like a swimming instructor or whatever. And they're like, cool. Get in with the killer whale. Off you go. Yeah, they were just like, all these people were like, oh, I was not trained in any way to deal with an animal. They were like, we'll train you. And so... They have all these bits of footage from, like, um, the times that trainers had been in the pool with a big killer whale. And the killer whale has gone, you know what? I'm fucking tired of this. And there's one whole segment in the middle of this thing where a guy is doing... He's in the middle of the show, big stadium full of people. And, you know, he's doing his whole thing where the, the killer whale, like, he stands on its nose and it swims along and everything. And then he's like, All right do a jump and the thing goes no and it just grabs his ankle and swims down to the bottom of this like 20 foot deep pool and just sits there holding him underwater and then after like 30 seconds to a minute it lets him go and he swims back to the top and like gasps for two or three breaths and it goes jump And grabs his (gasps) ankle again and drags him back down to the bottom of this 20-foot deep pool. And, like, they've only got the footage because someone in the crowd is videotaping it. And you can hear everybody in the crowd going, is this, what is happening right now? Jesus Christ. You see while people are like, it's okay, everybody. (laughs) And this continues to go on for, like, 10 15 20 minutes of the killer whale just letting him go and he comes up and he gets a few breaths in and it goes all right down you go again <laughs> um and eventually the guy manages to get out of the pool with his broken ankle because of how many times oh. the killer whale's been grabbing him by it but um but yeah it's just all these ex-trainers just going like yeah when you work at SeaWorld, they're like you and the whale are friends they're like you're not friends you've been enslaving these animals and making them do tricks for years and every now and then they go you know what i think i'm just going to break all of your bones and throw you around in the pool in front of a crowd um so the the whole the whole throughline of this documentary is one killer whale that had been working at various uh like aquatic parks through california for decades and every time it Killed a trainer, they just sent it to another park and didn't tell any of the trainers about it. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. So yeah, this this one killer whale went to like three or four different parks in California and it killed like two or three people. And they were like, just don't tell anybody about the new whale. Don't mention the murder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um it's right there in the name, you know? It's that kind of whale. Anyway, captivating viewing. Oh. Uh, and also don't get in the pool with one of them. Sure. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm probably not going to do that, I don't think. Well, you know, if you were thinking about it, just I, don't. I'm not. Uh, they could also undertake
2: kamikaze strikes against enemy shipping, <laughs> against enemy shipping, carrying mines that would explode a ship on contact with its hull. The dolphins could allegedly distinguish between foreign and Soviet submarines by the sound of their propeller. Terrifying. Uh, according to research by the Whale and Dolphin Conservation Society, numerous ex-Soviet military dolphins have been sold to aquariums around the world. Uh, many have been kept in poor addition- conditions on arrival, and others have died on route. That kind of fucking sucks.
1: Uh, they a- say the whole thing sucks.
2: I mean, yeah, but <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Do you think when, when they say kamikaze, right? Um, when I think of the the concept of kamikaze, the you know, it's all the guys who would yell Banzai as they consciously did the going to their death thing. Uh, kamikaze sort of implies to me that the dolphin is aware that it is also going to explode when this thing yeah,
3: happens. Yeah, in- instead of a thing that's been trained to go like a dog would towards a ball, yeah. but also the dog has... A sea mine strapped to the back of them. Yeah. Uh, go over there. And don't and, do
1: that.
2: I'm
3: just. Go no. over
1: there and boop it with the stick on yeah. your back, Give just it, like you do with yeah. the pool, and then you get a fish. A little boot with the. Uh, yeah. With
3: that mine on your back. Yeah. Mm.
1: Anyway, I'm not, uh, you know, Ben, I'm not accusing you of misattributing uh, intention to the dolphin. For sure, certainly. It's military.com that I have, I have issues with. Uh, it goes on. Um. Komsoloskaya Pravda
2: points out that Mr. Zurid's research was primarily of a military nature and describes the dolphins as, quote, mercenaries. In essence, Iran has bought our former secret weapon from Ukraine on the cheap, the Russian newspaper wrote. It also pointed out that USA has in the past raised objections objection to some Russian military sales to Iran. Mr. Zirud remained vague on the role he and the animals would play, but he said, I am prepared to go to Allah, or even to the devil, as long as my animals will be okay there.
1: Wow, that's beautiful. It
2: is beautiful. (laughs) Man loves his animals.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, there you have it, folks. That is about all we have time for this week. Um, So, as everybody knows, uh, this is an independent show. We don't like any of that advertising jazz. Who the hell does? So if you would like to support the show and also get an extra episode every week as you do, you can head on over to patreon.com slash bunta vista. Slap down your $5 a month and get yourself um, you know, some extra episodes. Help us out. Support the show. Uh, if you would like to write into the show, ask a question, uh, state a grievance of some kind, uh, you can write into mailbag at bunta vista.com. Um, If you would like to call into the show and leave a message for us, uh, it doesn't have to be Dave Hughes' Snakes Alive bit, um, though it can be if you want it to. Australian listeners can call in on 1-800-317-515 and US listeners can call in on 732-876-3446. Here's someone who did call in on the American line. And leave a message for us.
0: This is Paul F. Tompkins. <clears throat> I bought a bag of snakes alive, but when I opened them up, they were all dead.
1: There's <laughs> comedian Paul F. Tompkins calling in there and doing the classic Dave Hughesy Hughes bit Thanks, about snakes being Paul. alive.
3: <laughs> hey, we're definitely on a first name basis now yeah, with famous yeah, yeah. comedian Paul F. Tompkins, awesome Pauly. Yeah, yep, Pauly. Paul.
1: Yep. Paulie. Yep. Yep. Paulie. Uh, very nice of him to do that and help us out. Uh, we also had calls from uh, singer Patience from the band The Greats. Thank you, Patience. Um, former Australian Green Senator Scott Ludlam called in
2: after message. I feel like maybe we should play that one just because of how physically pained. He sounds doing it. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Hi, uh,
0: my name is Slybam. Look against my will. I opened a bag of snake alive the other day, and they're all dead. Is that it? I
1: think that's it. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I like that that he it, does, Scott.
2: He does try to do the intonation a little bit. They're all mm-hmm. dead.
1: Uh, but yes, uh, claiming to be calling in against his will. Uh, and of course, we also had some messages from enemy of the show, Marvin um, Man Incorporated and friend of the show uh, and editor of Business Insider, Jay Hennessy. So we're going to leave you with the call that we finally got. And this is what helped to push us over that $20,000 mark. We cannot thank the man enough for finally giving to us the one known recording in the world of Dave Hughes' Snakes Alive bit. The man himself, Dave Hughes. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week.
0: It's uh, Dave Hughes here, and I'd like to say, I bought a bag of Snakes Alive and opened up and they're all dead. I'd like to suffocate in the bag. I should have put them air holes in there so they could have grown up to be killer pythons. Thank you, you've been a great crowd. I messed up the wording the first time. This is Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, um, hey, it's, uh, Dave. So, um, I bought a packet of Snacks alive the other day, and, um, I opened them up, and, uh, oh yeah, bitches, countries of the world! United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, Republic, Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Venezuela, Salvador, Cuba, Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Honduras, Guiana, and Chile, Guatemala, Bolivia, then Argentina, and Ecuador, Chile, Brazil, Costa Rica, Belize, Nicaragua, Belize, Bahamas, Tobago, San one, Paraguay, Uruguay, Surinam, actually, I've got better than Noah, Switzerland, Holland, Finland, Finland and Germany, Niamey, Noam Peace, Switzerland, Latvia, Czechoslovakia, Italy, Turkey, and Greece, Poland, Romania, Scotland, Albania, Ireland, Russia, Oman, Bulgaria, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, Lutheran, Iran, there's Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, and Israel, but here in and Bahrain, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium, Portugal, France, and Denmark, Spain, India, Pakistan, Belgium, Afghanistan, Taiwan, Nepal, Japan, Campuchia, Malaysia, Bangladesh, Asia, China, Korea, Japan, Mongolia, Laos, and Tibetan, and Indonesia, the Philippines, and Taiwan. Sumatra, Guinea, Sri Lanka, New Zealand, and Borneo and Vietnam, Tunisia, Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Mozambique, Xandia, Social and Kenya Guinea, Algeria, Ghana, Burundi, the Malawi, Sahara, Nigeria, Chatham, Liberia, Gabon, Camp, Campania, Somalia, Kenya and Mali, Sierra Leone and Nigeria, Oh, um, and they were all dead.